0: Thank you for listening to the Life Church podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Thank you, Jesus. My own, I'm good. Well, I want to thank you guys. For one, I want to thank the Father and the Mother of this house for giving me this opportunity. Uh, I'm incredibly honored to to speak in this house, uh, a beautiful house. Uh, when I was in worship this morning I just began to just look at our worship band And look at this family here And I begin to just ask Holy Spirit I, I just, I want to see Every one of you the way He sees you I want to value you The way Holy Spirit values you The way our Father in Heaven values you And when we begin to position ourselves As sons and daughters To view other sons and daughters The way our Father views us That's when revival starts See, revival isn't going to be a series of meetings. It's going to be when me and you recognize my sonship and my daughtership in my heavenly father. And then I recognize it in the person serving next to me. That's when revival comes. Because, see, I want a revival culture. I don't want a series of meetings. Because when revival culture shows up, a community that is rend out with drug addictions, with alcohol addictions, when I find sonship, I find kingdom, and I find freedom freedom. Thank you, sir. So I got some very important stuff I have to share with y'all before we get started. Amen. Amen. It's just a joke. I'm just going to tell you a joke. So (laughs) it's scientifically proven women who carry a little extra weight tend to live longer than the men who mention it. (laughs) That was good. Uh, If you ever see me eating a salad in a restaurant, hurry, I've been kidnapped and I'm trying to give you a signal. (laughs) Uh, I want buns of steel, but I also want buns of cinnamon. (laughs) That was just good. Uh, (coughs) Last one, then we'll get super serious. Serious. (laughs) Dear... Paper come out one day and reading through the wanted ads and it said deer meat wanted for free I'm not poor. I'm just not a good hunter (laughs) Oh, that's good. All right, let's pray and get spiritual. Okay Father we thank you. We thank you for this house. We thank you for family doing family things together We thank you for family cultivated in your theology of family. You're you're a dad and you got good things for your sons and daughters this morning. And I pray as a family, we grab hands with the person to our right and left, and we grow closer in our identity and value in you today. And we're going to worship you, we're going to praise you, and we're going to love the person next to us the way you love them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, as you know, I'm very passionate about the supernatural. That, but. It's not me in particular, it's what Jesus called us into. I'm just hungry for what Jesus made available. So in my pursuit of wanting to see my life replicate the standard Jesus set, I'm not hungry for miracles, I'm hungry for my dad, and miracles are a fruit. But see, when I begin to see that, okay, there's more to this race than what is coming out of my life right now, I begin to pursue him in relationship and out of that pursuit I begin to find cracks in my foundation That is my value Okay, because see here, here's the thing is if I see someone sick Or I see someone in need of any type of healing that could be spiritual mental physical. It doesn't matter I go through a process of evaluating who I am before I prayed See that that's that's a fault that I needed to evaluate my value before I stepped into my race. I'm so excited that Josh and our pastor have been preaching the the start of our race, finding our race potential and purpose because I believe today we've been hearing a lot of good things and I believe right now we're setting right on this side of our starting line. I've gotten the material to start my race. I know where my passion is. I know where my heart is but I haven't heard the gun go off yet because see it, it doesn't matter how good I know my passions and how well I know the Father's will but if I don't know my value i'll never start cuz see value means everything coming out of Easter weekend that whole weekend to me screams my value but see look if you if if you don't if you don't listen to every part of this message religion will throw up walls in your mind that say well this is making it about me it's not making it about him we're going to get there I promise I want to read a couple of scriptures right quick. Uh, Nisha go with us. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. And can you give that to me in the Amplified, please? I apologize, I did not give that to you ahead of time. We could read this one scripture and go to the house. It is good, it is meaningful, and it carries weight. Who knows... That you can't just read a scripture, you gotta apply a scripture. You gotta dig into it, you gotta put yourself in it, you gotta see the value of the word for you. All right, she got it up. Uh, is that amplified? Awesome. Mine looks a little different. For, for you who are born again have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, and are all children of God. Set apart for his purpose with full rights and privileges through faith in Christ Jesus. Let me, let me reiterate on that because we don't want to miss it. I'm spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, and are all children of God. Set apart for his purpose with full rights and privileges through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, I want to read a couple more places right quick. Let's go to uh, uh, here, First uh, John four nineteen. Short scripture. Uh, we love because He first loved us. I only loved because I was first loved. This is going to be the backbone of this message this morning. That we don't take it from us and not about Him. I'm only being able to love because I am first loved. Amen? All right, let's read one more scripture. Here we are. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 12 through 17, New King James Version. Starting in verse 12. I'll give her a second to get there. She's good. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, I want you to say "beloved." beloved. Now, I want you to say it to yourself like you mean it. Beloved. Because he's talking about you here. Holy and beloved. Put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful." 16, verse 16. This is why I want us to keep our focus. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. I in our what we're going to touch on today is humbled through value. Have any of you ever had a desire, when well we talked about our races, our passions, our desires, our zeal for the kingdom of God, of what he's put in me, and feel like before you could start the task, you needed to tell God how little you were? I've caught myself going into prayer telling God I'm not worthy. Okay? Okay. Let's lay down tradition, religion, whatever. Let's just just allow God just to touch on some stuff this morning. I found myself going into prayer feeling like I need to tell God how unworthy of the task at hand I am before I could start. But see, what we don't realize is if I begin to speak about myself, what God is not, I'm partnering with the demonic to destroy my own destiny. Well, see, that's hard to understand because, well, I'm a Christian. That's good. But you can be a belittled, beat-down, broken Christian that never starts his race if you don't understand how the Father sees you. Because I'm completely convinced, I'm going to try not to preach like I'm in a tennis match, but... If you begin to understand value is in the father and that's how he sees you I'll step back and stop belittling myself and i'll hear the gun go off and i'll start my race But see we feel like I need to tell myself how little and invaluable I am that i'm doing god a favor before I start So he'll get glory That's not truth It's not truth for me to talk about god's creation in any other way than the way he's talking about it if you feel yourself in a place right now that you're not fulfilling your destiny and passions that God has called you to, you need to reassess how you're valuing yourself. Is it aligning with the Father? Because if I get ready to pray for someone to see my Father intervene in a supernatural way and then I need to go to the process of elimination, of telling God how little and unprepared in, in and how ungood I am for this task that I'm not doing God a favor, I'm literally destroying the works he's done in my life. God is calling us out of of, of traditional repetition of, I need to belittle myself to make God big. That's not biblical. John, before he left his ministry, prayed, oh, that I may decrease so you may increase. And I just want to share I'm not Completely tearing down what you view because we, Holy Spirit, it's a living word and He can give us different interpretations of Scripture. So I just want to challenge you this morning with the way God has been showing me that Scripture. John was finishing out the old covenant, John came to prepare a way in the wilderness for Jesus to come and bring the new covenant. So I want you to think on this for a moment. That John wasn't praying that I belittle myself, but John was saying, oh, that the old covenant may decrease, that Jesus could increase. That we're not going to live in law anymore, we're going to live in relationship. But we take that scripture, turn it around and twist it that I need to belittle myself to do God a favor. But why did God send His Son to die on a cross for you and give you value and show you who you are and love you compassionately where you are for you to feel like you need to beat yourself up before I can start my race? Why do we think that way? We're self-destructing ourselves from ever completing the will of God in our lives. I remember when I started reading and figuring out who Holy Spirit was going to be in my life, and I began to build that relationship, I went through a time when I wanted to pray for the sick that I felt like when I would come over here before work so I could prepare myself for the day if I ran into anyone who needed a need met, that I needed to tell God how unworthy, how pathetic, how I can't do anything to prepare myself To step out in his will. It did the complete opposite. It beat my mind into a place of submitting to what Satan was saying about me. Therefore, when I seen the opportunity, I couldn't even move. If you're not walking in your destiny, reassess. I would be willing to guarantee you're in this mindset. That I am constantly thinking about who I'm not instead of who God made me he spoke value. I love when we learned the other night about the Passover supper and he talked about how in in that culture, when the young boy picked out his bride and he took her the cup and when she drank the cup, it was saying, I'm stepping into covenant with you. That's what we've done. I'm talking to people who are in covenant this morning. that say, I'm a son or daughter of God. I'm in covenant. I don't want nothing else. I want God. I want what he has. Can you imagine what shifted in that woman's life when she became a bride. It says we are the bride of Christ she put that veil on in that culture and i love the way the father of this house preached it that can you imagine the way her posture was after she stepped in that covenant and she put that veil down and she began to walk i can only imagine the stature she carried herself with because it said that the young jewish boy went back and he began to establish a place for her to go that was better than where she lived at so i can imagine when she was still in this place she carried herself and high esteem because this is where I'm going. I'm prepared. He's preparing a place for me that I can walk in posture of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because I'm a daughter. I've been brought into covenant. I ain't got to belittle myself. I ain't got to take my veil off. I can walk in power and dominion and know that I'm in covenant with my dad. If we get this, we won't be in cycles anymore. You weren't created to live in sin cycles. You weren't created to live in belittling cycles where this week I pray for the sick, but that week I can't even get up and pray in the morning. You weren't created for cycles. You were created to know that I'm a son, I'm a daughter. I can live it every day. I don't got to talk down to myself. I can walk and be proud. Oh man, God, that we don't emphasize pride so much. The church has made a bigger deal out of pride than who you are in Christ. Oh God, what a victim mentality. What a defeated mindset. The one, t- one of the major times that sticks out to me in the Bible when we see pride come up is when the disciples begin to argue between themselves who was the greatest. That whole story is about three scriptures, three to five scriptures long. Jesus comes up and tells a parable and moves on. He didn't spend a month of belittling them to make sure they weren't prideful. We do that as Christians. I need to feel like I'll belittle myself to the point that I can be used. That is demonic. Because Satan is saying the very thing of to you that you're saying to yourself. We are partnering with the very enemy of God to declare death over my own destiny. You want to know why you can't walk in it? Because your destiny's already dead because you spoke it over it. The very one who's going to run the race, you're you're defeating before you can ever take off. You've got passions. Why do you belittle yourself before I can start my race? Oh, I can't, I can't work in healing God only through... I, I, I'm just not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I, I can only do this if you show up. And that's all true. But when my posture, my heart posture, is in a place of belittling who I am in Christ Jesus, I can't see that I'm a son working in my inheritance. I see that I'm a servant begging for the goodness of God. You're in the goodness of God. He's a good dad full of good things, and he created me to live in a constant state of goodness. I don't have to beg him for the things he already gave me. Man, somebody's going to get some freedom in this place today. Somebody, somebody's going to leave here and kick Satan in the teeth for a living. Every day I wake up, I just want to make him mad. Every day, when we go to t-ball games, I just want to make him mad. I'm just like, man, just forget whatever you're trying to do here today. I want to walk out my sonship. I don't want to meet God in heaven and say, you did good, but I had so much more for you. Man, to live below our means on this place here would be to belittle who I am and not view myself the way God views me. I love the way Bill Johnson said He said, I can't afford to say anything about myself that God's not saying we are so quick to feel like the only way I'm qualified is to demote myself. We're not doing God a favor. Jesus showed us what our lives look like when a son or daughter know their value, sees the Father, and becomes obedient. That's all Jesus did. He come. The dove came from heaven when he got baptized by John. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Value. And then everything he did on earth, he said, don't call me good. Only my father in heaven is good. I only do what I see my father doing. He came, established value, walked in obedience. You can preach all the messages in the world, but if you don't get the foundation that I'm valued and now i be obedient... What else do you need? I'll tell y'all, I'm very simple-minded. I don't have a lot going on up here. But I love God. I know my value. And then I chase Holy Spirit. You want to know why we are seeing people healed when we lay hands on them? Because I'm valued. And now I'm obedient. You can add all of the theology you want. But if you don't have this, you don't have anything. Jesus came with three foundations. I'm valued. I only do what I see my father doing. I only give him glory. Now I'm obedient. Man, it's just so simple. Don't matter if you're Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, non-denominational. I don't care about all that junk. It's junk. All you need to know is that I'm valued and now I'm obedient. But we've got to get the first down. We've got to get the first down. Psalms 139, 14 through 18. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. I love how he says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. He just reiterated in case you didn't catch it in the first part. You're his works and you're wonderful. My soul knows it very well. Men, God wrote this book. You know what I'm trying to say. He pressed it on me and they wrote it, but it's all God. God has an entire book screaming your value. He never chose to belittle you. He never chose to beat you up. He sent a son to show his love and compassion that you would know it and never be shaken. We don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it looks like to get out of a pattern that this week I'm solid. Next month I may need to spend an entire week telling myself who I am again. But when we get the foundation of my value in Christ Jesus, we can begin to take the territory that God has given us instead of revisiting immature things. We spend our entire life going to conferences, sitting in messages, and all that good stuff. And I go to as many as I can. I love to get the Word poured in me. But it doesn't matter how much theology you build up if you don't know your value. Because you'll never start your race if you don't know how He sees you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I was in worship this morning. I don't have this in here. And God showed me this. Anxiety, depression, and fear are character traits of not knowing your value. Fear. Anxiety and depression are all character traits of not knowing your value. I'm not scared of cancer if I know who I am and what my father says about me. I'll step out in obedience and pray for cancer and it'll go. I don't get depressed because I, when I'm depressed, I'm devaluing myself. But when I know what God says about me, I can't slip in depression if I'm standing in the light of my father's value fear anxiety this is a big one that i struggled with for a really long time i would get eat up with anxiety when i would get so much that i had to do i would start slipping out of value into putting my value in what i had to do catch that if i know my value that's good but i have to stay in this state of where i'm valued in christ jesus this is this is the constant this is this never changes. This doesn't change from situation to change. This is my constant that I'm valued and loved by the Father. And when I would get a bunch of stuff on my plate, I would shift my value from the constant to the ever-changing. See, because the situation was going to change from day to day. But if I stay in my constant, anxiety doesn't have a place to breed death. That's what it is. It takes you out of identity and breeds death in your life that you can't run your race. When I see my value through my Father's goodness, I move from a spirit of fear and prayer to a heart postured in sonship that creates reverence in His presence that allows walls to come down that now I can ask, seek, and knock. <laughs> what? Man, that's a word, boy. That's good. Ask, seek, and knock. We read scriptures like this. We see things that anything you ask Him, my Father's name, it'll be done. We read scriptures like that. We even quote them. But if I don't know my value in Him, these scriptures are just words on a page. But when I step in to sonship, it's, it's, it's getting out of this place that I need to talk myself down in prayer. I need to cripple the work that Christ has done in me before I can step into sonship. We think I'm doing God a favor and making him bigger. I'm giving him more glory by belittling myself. No, you know how God gets glory? He see People see sonship being lived out in your life. That's how God gets glory. If I walk around, how does God get glory out of you being beat up all the time? I've never seen so many depressed Christians in all my life. I don't understand it. I can't get there, Kenny. I just, my mind can't get there. Depression and 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 uh, uh, bad attitudes and sadness aren't in my, my reserve. They're not here. I don't have them to pull up. Satan wants to throw them at me sometimes, but then I just, oh, son, nope, son, I'm a son, whoop, son. See, I have conversations with myself in the truck like this. Oh, nope, son, whoop. But it's truth. But instead, we will play with these thoughts that, oh, I'm not good enough, but in Christ Jesus, I can do all things. Do you see the difference in the mindset? Instead of, I'm a son, so I can do all things through Christ Jesus. So, I'm not good enough, but I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Do you see the heart posture? Do you see the shift from one mentality to another? That I quote this scripture when I'm busted, disgusted, beating myself down to give God my glory. And then over here, I'm a son. God gets glory when I live out power and authority in the situations he gave me. Jesus said, don't believe me if you don't see the works. If you don't see my father's works, don't believe me. But we devoid our lives and we're okay with having no power and authority over the things around us that God called us to have power and authority over. But when I want to walk in power and authority, I can't be reconsidering everything about myself every time the opportunity comes up. I see sickness, I step out in authority, come into submission of the kingdom I was sent here to establish. It called us sons and daughters Said it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the glory of kings. to dis- I'm a king. I'm a king. Oh, man, let me read y'all the scripture. Woo! That's going to be good. We're just going to skip all that. True humility. This is a quote by C.S. Lewis. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. You catch that? True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. When you become a son, it becomes all about your dad. False humility is a joke that you apply to your life to give yourself an out, not to run your race. You will get in a place and talk yourself down to where I never start my race, but make myself feel okay about it because I feel like I'm giving God glory. You're not. You're belittling your very creation. If I step into knowing who I am, Shay, I'll walk this thing out. It won't matter to me what I face. I know who I am. Man, we need some Christians with identity. We need some Christians that value themselves. It ain't a pride thing. It's a belittling thing. Stop talking down to God's creation. Man, we catch this. All of hell will have to shift and change what they're going to do tomorrow. When I say about myself what God is not saying, I'm partnering with the demonic to destroy my own destiny while I'm thinking I'm doing God a favor. True humility is thinking of Jesus all the time. When you see Jesus rightly, you go low so Jesus can get the glory. As a son, I'm not trying to get famous. I'm trying to make my dad famous. I move, I move out of a place See, oh, man, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me, God. Let us catch this. If God calls us beloved, then we should never call ourselves anything less. I am the beloved son of God. If Satan tries to tell me anything different, shh, he gave me that authority, shh. See, it's so simple. Did y'all hear it? Shh. But as a son, I know my authority, shh. I don't have time for that. I just don't today. The other day, me and my wife. Oh, man, I love my wife. She's amazing. I do. I love her to death. And we love to see who we can see impacted by the love of God when we go on date nights. We love it. We love to see waiters impacted. We just like to do that kind of stuff. It's who we are. We're sons and daughters. The other day, we were getting ready to go on a date. It's been the best week of our married life. We're getting along like never before. Ten minutes before we go get in the truck. I wanted to just... How how did it shift so fast? You're a monster. (laughs) Two minutes before we get in the truck, when we're praying about, God, let us see wood. Let us value people well. I'm like, you are mean. (laughs) Everything shifted. And it's like, we got in the truck and dead silence. We didn't want to listen to music. I don't want to turn a song on and you enjoy it. (laughs) You get to that place and then... I it went a few minutes, Taylor goes, What happened? I don't know. I don't have a clue. But it's what it was is Satan pulled back a fiery dart and he shot in our truck. And instead of me saying we're sons and daughters, shh, be quiet. I'm going to Monroe to eat some olive garden and see Jesus released. Come on. Come on now. That's real. That's real. That's good. Oh, man, Jesus is so much fun. All right, I got a scripture I want to read to y'all. I got to find it here in my notes. Uh, Holy Spirit, let us find that. All right, Romans chapter 15, verses 17 through 19. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to stay right there. I was going to read the rest of that, but we're going to stay right there. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. Why do we see God begin to mature us, to grow us, to call us deeper, to work in greater depths in His love, to have confidence in ourselves, to be obedient to the will of the Father, and feel like I can't be proud? Why is that? See, we take pride in the job we have. We take pride in the trucks we drive. We take pride in all the things that have no eternal value. Don't get me wrong, I love my truck. But I have no pride in that, but I have pride in the fact that God's using me to see people healed. That's where my pride's at. Why do I feel like, where did we come up with this this theology that I have to belittle the Father's work in my life? How, How is that the opposite of pride? It's, it's tradition and religion that I destroy the very good works of God. We have got to stop talking about ourselves any other way than what our father's saying, Kenny? I'm tired of seeing amazing children of God never start their race, because you can't start the finish starting. You can't get past the starting line if you don't know your value. I get so, it, it hurts my heart to see sons and daughters living in guilt and shame. When the very, those very things are gone, they're not who you are. They're not who God calls you. He calls you His beloved. And when you took the cup of covenant and you entered into that relationship with Him, He washed you white as snow. No guilt, no shame. And then He began to speak who you are before you even became it. Why do we feel like I need to go to ground one, basics, zero? I need to be nothing before anything can happen. See, I know it's hard to receive because it was hard when he started giving this word to me because it's always been my mentality that I need to belittle myself before I can see God honored. That's not truth. But as a son, I'm humbled through the fact of I have a dad That loves me so much that everything I do, I want him to give glory out of. See, it completely shifts from beat down, timid, low life. Giving God this fake glory through a fake humility. To stepping into reverence of the very thing God created. And now i walk out my sonship and give God glory the whole way. I can't. I could tell a leg, a broke leg, to heal all day long. Not in the spirit. I could tell it all day. I could tell it till I'm blue in the face. It will not get healed. Only my father heals. But I will never step into healing if I have beat myself up to the point that I feel like I have no authority in that situation. You want to know why you live in a cycle of beat up in certain areas of your life? Begin to see what you're saying about yourself in that area. Begin to ask God what he's saying. We're so quick to put our label on situations in our lives when God has got the very authority and the very means to shift the situation and speak what he wants to speak over it. But I'm constantly telling myself, oh, I'm nothing to give God some kind of weird glory. That's what I call it now, it's weird glory. It's just not glory at all. You're talking about his very creation. A few more things and then we'll wrap up. Expecting to taste and see his goodness keeps us impervious to the mental and emotional breakdowns that violate who he designed us to be, carriers of hope and models of his goodness. It says in the Bible that in the end times, uh, all men will be drawn in by the goodness of God. I I'm probably mixed that up a little bit. By his goodness, all men will draw unto him. How will those around us know His goodness if we're not even living in it? I cannot give away what I do not have. As sons and daughters that are grounded in God's value of ourselves, we know we are a part of His inheritance. Therefore, I expect to taste and see. If I don't know I'm a son... I won't expect what my father's giving me. See, we've come to expect fights from the enemy. It's so, it's so it blows my mind how much we talk about the work of the enemy in our life. You will live defeated if that's your theology. If you feel like I need to declare the fight I'm having with the enemy instead of declaring the authority you have as a son or daughter You want to know why you can't declare it because you just spent 30 minutes in prayer telling God how little you are stop Because we think we're doing God a favor But actually our prayer lives have become all about us and nothing about him If you spend your whole prayer declaring how Unworthy you are that whole prayer was about you and did nothing Let's be honest you didn't, you didn't give glory to God for where he brought you from. You didn't give glory to God for the things he's done in your life. You didn't give glory to God for the son or daughter he's created you into. You just belittled the very thing he's speaking life over. You partnered with the enemy to destroy your own destiny. Man. Oh God, that we would never partner with the God of this world. I will knock, seek, and ask in expectation of my father when I know I'm a son or daughter. And it's not just that because we throw out, oh, you're a child of God. You're a son or daughter of God. No, when you know you are valued. God quoted the price. Jesus agreed and paid it. Done. That value is set in stone. Do not partner with the enemy of God to belittle yourself. Stop it. Stop making his job easier. That's the very thing we've done. We've stepped out of posture that is all reverencing a father that is good, that gives authority for us to walk out in the supernatural because I am feeling like I need to beat myself up to make God bigger. He's big enough. Chill out. Touch on a few things right quick. turn over to Matthew chapter 19 verse 21 through 22 when you know your value reckless abandon is desired see let's check that that right quick when you know your value reckless abandon seems like an opportunity instead of something I've got to contemplate talk to my wife about, see if the ball game schedule goes good with it. You understand what I'm saying? Reckless abandon shifts to, I can't believe I get this opportunity. Jesus said to him, Starting in verse 21, Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I want you to see what he put his value in. He put his value in possessions instead of the value Jesus had just put on him. Only 13 men got this invitation. He was number 13. That's why we only see 12 disciples. He didn't recognize the value Jesus just put on him in this moment He said give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and follow me He just spoke Value over that young man's life, but he couldn't recognize his value He put it in a worldly possession and then he missed one of the greatest opportunities we ever see in the Bible What are we missing? What are we missing when God is speaking value, but I don't recognize it? I want to read one more scripture. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I want you to see the two very different reactions to valuing. One man seen the value of the treasure and sold everything he had and tended to the field. When I see my value, I recognize his value. It says, I only love because I was first loved. You understand? It all comes back to him. That's how we deal with pride not belittling ourselves, not beating ourselves up. We honor God when we see our value because my value only comes from the Father. You want to know why it's so hard to get people to show up to a prayer meeting? Because they don't know their value. See, that don't make sense, does it? But it's so true because when I recognize my value, I see His value. And reckless abandonment seems like an opportunity and not an obligation. I found my treasure in the field. I assessed the value of my king. And then I recklessly abandoned all that I had that I may tend to the treasure. But I know my value. I said I was going to... That was going to be the last scripture I lied. One more. And then we'll wrap up. I just want to throw this out here as we're finishing, winding down. That... Value value will create Christ-like character. You won't have to try to make yourself be a good person. You won't have to try to force yourself to do the right thing. When I know my value, I recognize what the enemy is doing and I don't go to lesser things. When that bride puts her veil on... I can only imagine just the posture of her walking through town, getting things done, waiting on her groom to come back and get her, that the value she must have, knowing that I'm going to a place so much better, the way she carries herself, that her conduct begins to change. Before, where she would hear all the comments from the other men, and this guy saying this, and this guy saying that, now... I'm in covenant with one. Mm-hmm. My conduct has shifted. I can't be a part of that. This is who I am. Good. <laughs> good Philippians 1 verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your fear, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I wanted to read this one scripture because God has had me in it here lately, and I've been wondering how it applies. And God began to show me that as a body of Christ wanting to see the kingdom of God come, revival, touchdown, in Caldwell Parish, it's going to come to sons and daughters knowing their value, linking with other sons and daughters that know their value. I cannot be in one mind and one spirit if you don't know your value. Me and you can't operate in the same supernatural if you don't know your value. I'm no better than anyone else. I know my value. I always joke because when Jesus talks about the parable of talents, he gave me a half. I don't even know if he gave me a full. I don't have a bunch of talents, but I've stepped back. I see my value, and I am willing to recklessly abandon for my treasure. When I know my value, my conduct becomes worthy of the gospel. That bride is in covenant with that one man. And her conduct magnifies that covenant. My conduct will show how I value myself. Sin can't steal from me what it didn't give me. My value is in my Father. You're not going to trip me up. I'm not going to sell myself short. As I was preparing this week for this right here, certain people began to just come to my mind and just begin to seek God for them, pray for them. But I feel like right now what we're pursuing as life church, as this body, I believe this revival will affect every church in this parish, and I hope it does. I hope they all feel slam full, every one of them. But you can have passions and zeal for the things of God and not know your value, and you will meet the Heavenly Father, never have started your race. Man, we were talking about this, and I remember in the beginning when I I first started to pray for the sick, my value, I I didn't have a good value of myself. I I didn't have this foundation anymore. I didn't have, I didn't see myself the way God saw me. So Kenny, when I prayed for somebody who was sick and they got healed, I, I took, I because I didn't have my value in my father and how he's seen me, I put my value in that healing. Well, then when I would pray for the next person and they not get healed, my value went with the moment. Because see, if you don't know your value, you're quick to put it in things God's not calling you to. And when you do, that's when cycles begin to take place and it will literally destroy you. I remember days where I would want to get up and come pray, but dreaded it. Scared almost with anxiety to come in my father's presence because I didn't know my value. I felt I've got to go over there and work it into a place that he loves me and wants to work through me today. That's not our dad. That's not my dad. My dad loved me if I slept past my alarm clock. He still loved me. When you recognize your value, your prayer life will change. Your study life will change. The way you view yourself will shift and you will become effective in your race. God loves you so much. He calls you beloved. I don't need approval I don't need all the good things anymore. I don't need everything to fall in place. Trials and tribulations, the way I view them, have shifted because my value is in my dad. I'm a son, and nothing will change that. Thank you for listening to the Life Church podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.